It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. What is going on? I am John Hansen, FantasyPoints.com. Welcome to another edition of Hanson's Hints. I am the person giving out the hints here on this podcast or video deal. It is Wednesday night, September 13th, a little too late in the evening, if you ask me, uh, which I know you didn't, but for some reason I can't get to these uh, podcasts until at the end of the night. Actually, I know the reason. I'm spending all day keeping up with the madcap world of the NFL as it relates to fantasy football. And as I tweeted uh, Wednesday afternoon, fantasy underscore guru on Twitter or X, whatever, uh, this year is going to be a bloodbath. It is going to be horrific. I'm just sensing it. It's already coming. You know, we didn't really have much in the preseason. It was a relatively quiet preseason and there weren't like a lot of devastating injuries, obviously the Aaron Rodgers situation, but you know, I just have this real bad vibe on player availability and roles. And as I've said a lot lately, like there are seasons within the season. So get ready. We're going to see multiple seasons uh, this year, but you know, a lot to get to here, kind of a potpourri of items here, uh, a bunch of hints. I'll do some uh, Thursday night football stuff here uh, right at the top. For those listening before the kickoff of the game, the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota may not have Christian Darasaw in this game, and that's that's a that's a real problem. But luckily for them, the Vikings uh, let's left tackle Christian Darasaw. Uh, James Bradbury already ruled out, and also uh, Blankenship to safety. So the Eagles did just get carved up by Mac Jones and you know, a somewhat pedestrian uh, Patriot receiving core, although my guy Kendrick Bourne uh, really, really coming on. So protection is going to be a problem, though, for Kirk Cousins. You know, you do worry about primetime meltdowns here. The vibes are not good in Minnesota. I, I do think they're, you know, another few losses away from things starting to get weird. You know, they didn't re-sign Justin Jefferson. Kirk's on his way out the door. They still can't get this O-line straightened out. Alexander Madison is kind of a jag. You know, the Eagles really stymied Ramondre Stevenson last week. So uh, don't like Madison much, but you certainly got to take your shot with the big three for Minnesota. Jefferson, Hawkinson, Addison. Uh, Again, Patriot receivers last week scored 43 points against his Philly secondary. And that was with uh, James Bradbury. I was just watching the game. Kendrick Bourne, uh, second touchdown, was right on Bradbury. Uh, Bourne looking real good, by the way. Um, Certainly Addison, big-time upside. You know, the snaps are going to increase, certainly. I I thought he should have played more in week one, honestly. The guy scored. He made a play already. It's already happening with uh, Jordan Addison for those Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Quickly, Kenneth Gainwell ruled out on Wednesday night. Um, along with uh, Bradbury, most notably. So here's where the bottom line is for me. 
I was thinking this even before Brad um, Gainwell was ruled out. This is DeAndre Swift time here. Like, unusually small workload, to say the least, in week number one. Uh, And he's hard to trust, but if you're going to take a shot with someone, I think it's Swift. It's his time to shine. It's in freaking Philadelphia on national television, his hometown. So I would sh- I'm sure he's going to bring it. And while the Eagle D does have or Eagle um, defense, yeah, does have some problems. I think this could be a pretty lopsided game here in Philly. It's going to be ugly. Uh, Vikings never really travel well to Philadelphia. I mean, let's be honest here. Think back to the last couple of matchups here, including uh, the 2017 NFC title game. It did not go well. So. DeAndre Swift is a play this week, no worse than an RB3. Um, actually, I think we have him as a very low-end RB2. And then Penny, sure. I mean, he absolutely has some upside, very hard to trust, inactive week one. I do have him with uh, 13 carries, a decent number of totes there, and you know over 10 points. So it's a little bit of, of a projection. But Swift's a little bit better here. Yeah, very high-end. RB three. Yeah. The old flex starter, but you know, he is probably ascending here, you know, for some reason they just love Kenny Gainwell. He had a couple of decent runs in week number one, but already hurt with the rib issue there. And certainly really, really good matchup for the Eagle wideouts here against a, uh, you know, a couple of rookies in the secondary there for Minnesota You've got Byron Murphy, who'll see probably more of Devontae Smith. So uh, this could be a big A.J. Brown game against Evans, uh, Caleb Evans. He's a second-year guy. But the other kid here, Metellus, I'm not even that familiar with him, and I'm a Vikings fan. So uh, great matchup there. If you're looking for a long-shot play, is Quez Watkins because they're going to take some deep shots, most likely. Viking pass rush, well, we'll see where they're at under Brian Flores. They certainly did not stop Sam Howell from having a fantasy-friendly game in week number one. Of course, now we're dealing with Jalen Hurts. And, of course, both tight ends in the game, Dallas Goddard and TJ Hawkinson. Well, there's a quick look at uh, what I think is in play for Thursday night, very brief one. And I think one good thing about this podcast is I'm doing this on video now, and I'm going to hit on a variety of hot topics, basically bounce around, potpourri of items, if you will. And it's good for social media, honestly, because there'll be a lot of good cut-ups here, just tackling all these issues individually. And I'm flying off the seat of my pants with very little sleep, by the way, so I'm not going to be very data or stat-supported here. But um, I'll start with the Atlanta Falcons Uh, certainly extremely worrisome. Not that we expected Arthur Smith to change his stripes all that much, but I guess there was some hope, not really in my mind, uh, with Desmond Ritter and per fantasy points data. Of course, I'm already contradicting myself. I've got uh, Chris Weck's five stats to know article up on the website um, from fantasy points data. Des Ritter threw eight catchable passes to non-backfield targets and had a 3.2 average depth of target. And and by the way, you know, I bet you uh, Mac, I bet you Mac got 
uh, a healthy percentage of those non-running back targets. Because it's like you're watching the game, Matt Collins, and you're like, oh, no, he's the guy that gets single coverage, at least attention. And when they actually do throw a forward pass, like he's he's just as likely to be the recipient almost as like freaking Kyle Pitts right now, which is absolutely ridiculous. And in fact, he was more than just as likely. He was more likely to be the target. Uh, He had one more target than did Kyle Pitts, but it's, it's scary. It's bad. The saving grace. And here's the challenging part because it seems like Arthur Smith is kind of old school and stubborn. They won the game. And if they keep winning, they're not going to change. But, you know, hopefully, well, not hopefully for Falcons fans, but if they do, in fact, if these blemishes, the limitations, the serious limitations that Desmond Ritter is showing out there continue or, uh, you know, start piling up losses, basically, there's actually hope with Taylor Haneke, who had a very good camp. Uh, I talked with people there and, you know, I'm sure he's chomping at the bit. He'll throw some hospital balls, but that w- he's a much more of an aggressive uh, gunslinging type. They'll, they'll rein him in, and I'm sure that's been a big deal. They've been trying to rein him in, but he would represent an upgrade. But th- there's no Heineke in sight here, basically, for now in Atlanta. So it is a real problem for get it with Drake London, who you know, I, I kind of liked him in the offseason, but as we got for – in go time in August, I was like, no, no, he's off my list. Uh, I think, and I made sure that we ranked him below his ADP. So, congratulations if you, I don't know, took Brandon Ayuk over Drake London, uh, per our advice and our rankings here at fantasypoints.com. But otherwise, it's really bad. And, you know, it's potentially frustrating for Bijan Robinson because not that I'm saying Tyler Algier is the goal line back over Bijan, but. Tyler Algier may be the goal line back over Bijan because he's so effective at it. He's like a big bully out there. And all he does is basically roll with five yards of pop here in the NFL. We're well over 200 carries now for this guy. And uh, he's got, he's, I believe he is. I'm going to check right now, but yeah, I believe he is over five yards of carry, uh, which is uh, pretty darn absurd. And it's, there's no end in sight. Like he might, it would be absurd, but he might be right there with Bijan at the end of the year in terms of his number of carries. But yeah, Tyler Algier for the career. Oh, I am so sorry. He is at 4.9 uh, for the career, but he's rolling with a 5.0 here in 2023, and he's going to be a flex starter every week. Uh, so it's actually a good situation in that regard. But Bijan, man, wow. And, you know, I try not to be a hot take person, but. I also try and say startling things if I see something like, wow, you know, if it really pops for me. And it was like, I guess it was his touchdown reception. Bijan, it's just different. It's just so obvious that he's just on another level. So I'm like, oh, it's a, there you go. That's the most talented running back in the NFL right there. It's uh, it's like 116 Eastern early kickoff for his first NFL game. And I'm ready to say that Bijan Robinson is the most talented running back in the National Football League, not that that is much of a hot take. Carolina Panthers, very quickly, uh, bad vibes. 
Uh, not not very good vibes there. I don't think we're going to get much fantasy production. Green Bay Packers. Um, that was a really good vibe that I had all year with all these guys. Basically, as I said, um, I kind of liked every single Green Bay Packer at their ADP, and that was a lot of it. But we'll see about Aaron Jones. You know, A.J. Dillon, very sluggish out there. This guy cannot play well in bad weather, warm weather. But Atlanta, hey, he's in a dome. They've got air conditioning. So um, if maybe the people running the building there have him in fantasy, crank up that A.C. a little bit, you know, really high. But he could be in line for a lot of work. And we'll see about Dobbs and Watson. They were still um, out of practice early in the week, heading into week number two. But a very promising start uh, for Jordan Love. It's not going to be perfect, but, you know, there's a lot to work with a lot in terms of his physical talent, the physical talent of the players around him and the coaching staff and the system and the continuity. It's we're off to a good start here. And this will be an interesting challenge on the road in the dome though, because the Falcon D they were, they were running last week. They were, they were not too shabby there. Speaking of not too shabby Oakland Raiders, maybe I overreacted a little bit about Jimmy Garoppolo, but um, in terms of, the quarterback situation being a negative for uh, Devontae Adams. But, look, it's only one game. Good for Jimmy G. Not that I didn't think Jimmy G could support Devontae Adams. It's just availability. We're only one game in, but so far, so good there. And how about our guy, Jacoby Myers? Made sure to rank him over the ADP. If you read my draft plan article, I was drafting this guy left and right. I kept saying he's boring. I kept going, I'll take Sky Moore, sexy. Uh, Jacoby Myers, boring. Well, boring is kicking the living crap out of sexy right now. But in Buffalo, not great vibes here with this offense. It's just not that good of an offense. And it just seems like we're starting to come to the conclusion where we're looking at Josh Allen and saying, why do they ask him to be Superman on every play? Well, maybe there's something to the notion that he himself has to play that way and appear to be Superman-esque because that's really the only way he can play. And maybe maybe he does leave some plays on the field. So, you know, the vibes have not been good there. He's taken a lot of hits. You know, is is he really as good of a processor, perhaps, in terms of seeing the field as we thought? It'll be interesting, but... Things could get a little ugly there. It, it could go downward a little bit. How about Stefan Diggs? I don't mean to scare people. You don't want to abort the Bills' mission here, but um, something to keep an eye on. Maybe if it gets, if there's another ugly turn or two, uh, maybe we'll start considering getting out of the Josh Allen business, for example. But, you know, by the way, never a bad idea if you have another good quarterback. Like if you have Brock Purdy, and you have a real hole elsewhere, it's ballsy, but, you know, maybe the stock of Josh Allen drops a little bit more in the coming weeks here. Moving on here, just going around the league and just looking at some of the big things that kind of stood out to me. I'm throwing out the Bengals' uh, performance. I was actually very down on the Bengals last week. If you read my Hanson's Hints article, I basically expected this. Joe Burrow, it's three game, four games now. But, you know, last going into last week, 
The guy was averaging 1.3 touchdown passes a game in his last three and 1.3 interceptions per game in his last three. Just you see it on the field. Like their 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 defense there, by the way, in Cleveland. Woo! Pick them up on your waiver wire if they're still available, especially if you're, you know, getting credit for yards or points allowed. They they not only do they look nasty, they, they zoned it up on Burrow where, you know, he had no idea. Well, not I'll say that. That's pretty bad. But but then again, when you throw for what was it? Let's take a look. Maybe you don't have an idea when you throw for 82 yards uh, and you're Joe Burrow completing fewer than 50 percent of your passes for 82 yards. At least he did not throw an interception. But, you know, that that is kind of interesting, too, not to go off on a tangent, but that was a, a case where, you know, they zoned it up and made Burrow sit back and think, basically, and uh, while also probably keeping the, you know, deep ball uh, out of the arsenal for the Bengals. And that's really been a huge trend in the NFL the last couple of years. And, you know, I've been talking about this with, as it relates to Patrick Mahomes for uh, quite some time. I actually went back and looked and it two years ago in 2021 in week one, there were 22 quarterbacks with a YPA of 7.0 or higher this past week one, only 10. So, more than cut in half as teams are playing the two deep safeties. They're also doing these exotic zones where it looks like man, but it's zone. And really, I think at the end of the day, what they're trying to do is make the quarterback think for another second or two to help out their pass rush, help out their secondary. And the question is, how do we take advantage of this? And this has been going on here, like I said, for a couple of years. And I've I've made mention of it. <clears throat> like, for example, it's not the greatest example. Last year, <clears throat> Hayden Hurst, uh, Hayden Hurst, I, I do have a mute button. I should probably use that. Hayden Hurst, um, you know, caught probably more balls than people thought. And a lot of that was just Joe Burrow you know, taking what the defense gives them. So I think that's how, how we have to, you know, look at things. Uh, it is frustrating, though, because, man, the yards are down. Fantasy scoring is down. It is pretty darn brutal. And not only that, you have more running backs than ever involved. So the production spread thinner than ever, and there's less production than ever. So get ready. And now more injuries than ever. So it is going to be wild uh, chaos here, um, bloodbath, basically, for the rest of the year. But the key is getting yourself three to four anchor players and and taking it from there. And then just patching up all the holes on the waiver wire uh, from, you know, week to week, which, which can be done. You know, you can always get waiver wire guys, but will they stick? Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of waiver wire guys, I am very excited in my number one league, the ACI, which is a listener league for the Sirius XM radio show named in honor, of course, of our insider, Adam Kaplan. I did pick up Kendrick Bourne. Now, maybe I'll be fooled again, 
but by these Patriots who have a new flavor of the week. But no, the vibes on Kendrick Bourne have been real all year. Like, and, and I've been on this. If you uh, read my stuff or listen to me on the radio, like just great vibes coming off a really bad year. So I am uh, pretty excited, but I'm not putting him in that category yet as one of my three to four high impact guys. But for this league, I did go Daniel Jones, which, which I regret, regret, but I also drafted pretty damn well early in the draft, 14 teamer. So my, my anchors are Brandon Ayuk, Tony Pollard, Steph Diggs, my number one pick. Um, and then we'll say Jordan Addison could, could be another elite one. I also do have Waller, but yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at uh, this year. Get, three or four studs, basically. Uh, do whatever it takes to get a high-impact player, basically. Sell the farm, you know, and then team that high-impact player with hopefully three or four other high-impact players, and off you go. I think that's a good way to look at it these days. So otherwise, I'm doing a bunch of hints as I bounce around the National Football League, and let's go back to – um, some of the other notable items from week number one, as it likely relates to week number two. Well, the Tennessee Titans scare the living crap out of me. Ryan Tannehill was quite bad. He might be toast or on the way to being toast. He's, he's in the toaster and they've, they've pushed, pushed down on a little lever. Uh, he's not toast yet, but he's soon to be toast. So that is a big concern because Will Levis is too busy shooting mayonnaise commercials to, I don't know, be active and up for week one and play football. Maybe I'm being hard on the guy, but he doesn't know the hell out of me. Um, bad, bad vibes. Uh, but Malik Willis has shown progress. That's not enough. So if the losses start piling up, and another one is likely forthcoming here, although charge is going to charge, so you never know there. But the 0-1 Chargers in Tennessee to take on the 0-1 Titans, and we'll see about Austin Eckler as well in the game. That that certainly looks like an L, so that would be another one. And, you know, maybe the Jags start really running away from them, and then it's on to 2024 because Derrick Henry will not be back, and they do want to be more diverse, dynamic, versatile, and that was a – in large part, what the Tajay Spears selection in the third round was all about. Spears already, you know, showing well and playing a lot of snaps. He actually played more snaps last week than Derrick Henry, if you can believe that. He is dealing with a groin injury, but um, I'd be selling Henry. I'd be more than happy. Uh, obviously, I, I know it's week one. It's a little weird. Like, we all knew, I guess, that he's getting up there and all that. So maybe it's kind of dumb to sell now, but I, I do have a, a really bad vibe there. So, you know, in terms of will the values of Henry go up or down? Well, it may go up after this game because they're going to try and run the crap out of the uh, out of the ball against these Chargers because, again, Chargers going to charge. But bad vibes there uh, for sure. Bad vibes also for the Giants. I, I'm already fearing that I oversold these guys just a little bit. You know, I just thought the complete package was intrig- appealing basically i understand daniel jones has limitations needs to be part of a bigger thing basically which i thought he was you know day ball good coaching they coach well 
They they call good plays. You know, they've devoted serious resources to the O line. You bring back Barkley. You've got seventeen hundred slot receivers who were solid at the very least. But that's kind of the problem. We are relying a little bit on Waller. You know, Waller's the key to everything here. If Waller's out there balling, now we're good. Unless we're playing the Cowboys. That's really the other problem. And the main problem is the O-line. The protection was horrible. I know protection was bad throughout the league. uh, But Danny Dimes clearly needs an ideal environment. Or else he can be terrible he can he can win it for you and lose it for you but the simple advice is bench him against top seven defenses let's say like don't play him against well the eagles are a divisional opponent so that's a tough one um you know at at the very least shut down d's that we see out there like the niners the cowboys now the jets forget it maybe the patriots We'll see about that. Maybe the Patriots. Um, anyone else? Let's see here. Maybe the Bengals, but they're not really dominating or smothering. They're just good. Uh, maybe the Packers, but that, yeah. So we'll see. But again, I am worried because of Waller. I mean, I knew Waller was the key to it all, and the dude's already popping up on the injury report with a hamstring, like everyone else in the in the league. Uh, hurt already with some ailment but uh, i am concerned there so hopefully this week against the cardinals undermanned defense we can uh bounce back just a little bit uh the niner vibes obviously are terrific i think this brock purdy train is for reals and it's going to continue to where you know i wrote a couple of places this year even if his touchdown percentage from last year was way down. I think it was, you know, let's say dropped uh, 40% or something. I still think he was prorating to like 40 touchdowns. So, I mean, the guy scores touchdowns. That's what he does. And he'll be doing it a lot to Brandon Ayuk. Congratulations. If you have Brandon Ayuk, because Ayuk, Ayuk, Ayuk is on fire. And I think when you really look at it, I'm not going to include Justin Jefferson because, you know, he was the first pick of the draft. You know, congratulations if you get him. It's like winning the lottery. You had nothing to do with it. Um, But when you look at the value and, you know, a true – this is the range that you get the breakout guy, by the way. Um, I nailed it with Debo two years ago, and I think I got it with Ayuk this year. I mean, I had a lot of other players that I really liked, but – no top 50 player uh, was higher. I was higher on the Debo uh, than Ayuk. And, you know, a lot of people got him, which is great. And I, I really, truly believe that we are looking potentially at, like I said, the pick at wide receiver. Maybe Amon Ra, but Amon Ra was more pricey. I do think Ayuk can really hang with him. But, yeah, I'm looking here, and I, I don't see another receiver who people are going to be just more fired up about in terms of drafting and having uh, than Brandon Ayuk. So I've got one FFPC team where I only did one draft, which was dumb uh, because I have a a lot of good players. Um, I have Daniel Jones. I did win last week, but 
Brock Purdy. If you read the draft plan article, especially the last one, I was taking Brock Purdy every time, actually over Kenny Pickett. Um, but I also drafted Jonathan Taylor. But tight end premium, I scored 135 with, without Travis Kelsey. So in some near you know point, I, I could have a 12-team FFPC team uh, with Kelsey, Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Skinny Batman, uh, Devontae Smith. That's pretty damn terrific. All on my list, all on the target list there uh, this summer at FantasyPoints.com. Jets, Cowboys, Jets situation, forget it. If Garrett Wilson gets 43 catches for 40 yards, that would be a miracle, in my opinion. I think um, sky's the limit on the number of sacks. It's going to get ugly. It's going to be ugly. It's it's not going to be well. Uh, so, you know, do not uh, start these guys. Basically, Brees Hall is the only one. I think Brees Hall is the only guy you can – obviously, you you have to. You are required now by law to start Brees Hall regardless, even if he's limited in practice because, you know, as I tweeted, all he does is just run. He's running and running and running. That's all this guy does, this whole long jog in the park. Uh, as dudes try to tackle a lot of problems here, obviously with Garrett Wilson, here's the problem. The defense looks spectacular. Brees Hall looks incredible. Dalvin cook is on his last legs, but still better than most number two running backs in the league. So he, he's going to get a lot of work They're The, they're not going to throw the ball. Like Zach Wilson's attempts are going to be like 17 a game. And that's just terrible for Garrett Wilson. And I actually feel somewhat similarly to the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott doesn't run anymore. And while it is weird that they only have Tony Pollard, so how are they going to piecemeal this together uh, and limit you know the pass attempts? But I just don't see Dak having to throw it all that much. I guess the real problem is he'll he'll be able to support and put up decent numbers, but they also have three really good receivers, you know, they didn't, which really was not the case. And a fourth Jalen Tolbert coming on here a little bit. So I just, yeah, for CD lamb, I think it's a real problem. I'm not really feeling that I, I wouldn't even be opposed to trading uh, C D lamb. And, you know, I've had a problem with that for a little while here. Uh, if you read the trade uh, to trade for article that was in the article, uh, by the way, as was a recommendation on Tuesday night to trade for DeAndre Swift, uh, which was pre-Gainwell information there. But moving on here, um, I have to say I had a little bit of an epiphany with Derek Carr, watching Derek Carr, because I just have this absolutely horrible feeling that Derek Carr is going to ball out this year. And he has been my kryptonite. Last year, he was my... I think I listed him as my third quarterback, third favorite target, but he was the guy if you hold off. Well, you, you could have held off forever and and done just as well because he numbers weren't that bad, but it was a huge buzzkill. I waited half a decade before I backed this guy, and uh, that first time it didn't go well either. But, you know, he's just so confusing because he actually is very good and very talented. And how about him clicking – quickly with Rashid Shahid and Chris Olave. That is a dynamic duo along with Juwan Johnson. 
And hey, whatever Michael Thomas can give him, okay, great. He's slowing down for sure. He's not the same player, but he was somewhat productive in week number one. Good O-line. They're going to get Kamara back. Uh-oh. Derek freaking Carr might actually be a thing this year. It would be very Carr-like to finish in the top 12 this year. And by the way, not a good week one for the QBs. And we do have some issues here at the quarterback position. I mean, throughout the board, but, you know, a lot of the big name guys I, I would have some concerns about. Like I mentioned, Josh Allen, you know, Jalen Hurts. Everything's going to be a little harder this year. Lamar Jackson, ooh, not looking that great. Uh, so we shall see. But, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad of an idea to target Danny Dimes and Brock Purdy. Um, and another guy who I'll get to in a moment. By the way, Derek Carr this week, uh, not going to be worried about J.C. Horn on the other side, which is huge uh, for the New Orleans Saints. And then last but not least, let's talk Brown Steelers. First of all, Nick Chubb, the man, great. Uh, the only running back I kind of was into uh, who was on, uh, drafted in the first round. Um, but Deshaun Watson, yeah, I – don't think we're ever getting back to 2020 Deshaun Watson. I think the time away, the distractions, whatever it is, it just appears to me that it's just sloppy, that there's a lack of precision. It's more of the playground mentality, just run around, make the plays. You know, is he truly studying? Does he really know um, everything that's up, basically? Or is he just running around better? So I, I think I'm a little worried about it. Um, but maybe he'll get better and better. Certainly, you know, he, we are still early here. He sh should get better and better, honestly. But uh, I guess my point is we're never getting back, in my opinion, to that just pristine uh, 2020 Deshaun Watson. He'll still probably be a top 12 guy, though, luckily. Uh, and that's why he was so appealing. That's why I, you know, I, w I wish I pushed him more, but he, for the entirety of the offseason, was my number one ROI guy. And he was up there on that list for sure. But, you know, part of that was that a big part of that was that cheat code, which, by the way, again, cheat code, not looking so cheaty. But finally, Kenny Pickett, you know, I've been doing this a long time, so I have um, a pretty deep and large like base knowledge base. And when I see things, you know, Oh, check that box. And oh, look, check that box. And, you know, it, it all computes to me like, okay, ding, 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 ding. We have, we have a breakout player here, right? So, you know, that's kind of what I was seeing with Kenny Pickett. I've, I was a big kick, Kenny Pickett guy last year. And, you know, I never said, it, look, I never said you want to draft this guy as your QB1, uh, but I was very excited about him as a QB2. You know, I know this is a little bit more important in two quarterback leagues, um, but. The point was for me, for mainly was we might be looking at a, a real quick year two glow up here, ascension, rocket ship, takeoff, and let's get involved in that because maybe maybe we have Josh Allen, we have some concerns, and we could trade Josh Allen after week three if we feel really good about it. Well, we're not even remotely close there after just a head-scratching performance uh, by Kenny Pickett. I even had somebody speculate because we were talking about it on the radio that everything we were describing about him was someone who was concussed. I mean, 
wild speculation, but it resonated with me a little bit because there really was no explanation for it based on every single thing that Kenny Pickett showed last year and everything we saw and heard. So I don't know what the hell is going on, but it was scary. And now Deontay Johnson is hurt. You worry about this unraveling just a little bit. And I do worry about overselling the whole damn Steeler offense, but you know, let's simmer down huge test for Ken Pickett with the spotlight on him. If Kenny Pickett plays really well, then we're okay, I think. But if we see a continuation of this, then it is time to sound the alarm. I will also say in closing on the Steelers, you know, waiver wire wise, like Allen Robinson, the boring guy, if you need 10 points and like, just give me 10. He's a better shot for that. But the sexy upside guy would be Calvin Austin, who, you know, might be just as busy as Allen Robinson. I'm going to wrap it up there. A lot of hints passed out here in this, podcast slash video it's way too late for me to even be up so i'll wrap here good luck in week number two we'll catch you next week for another edition of hansen's hints thanks for tuning in to this edition of the fantasy points podcast remember to subscribe rate and review on your favorite platform and come join the roster at fantasypoints.com